As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is going to be the largest approved gathering in the state of Wisconsin in essentially a year. The fact that fans will be returning to the ballpark after a year is just uh, music to our ears. The Brewers, all systems go toward opening day. Size of the gathering does give me pause, but I'm confident with the Brewers' safety plan in place. It's finally a little sense of normalcy here. Opening day is always a big deal in Milwaukee, but opening day in a pandemic takes on a whole new meaning. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with Brian Polson. Hey, Brian. Hi, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, March 31st for release on April 1st. Opening day. And to give you an idea of what we're getting into this year, we are here with Fox 6 Sports Director Tim Van Voren. Hi, Tim. Morning. Hey, guys. And we've also got Fox 6 reporter Christina Van Zelst on the line. Hello, Christina. Welcome to Open Record. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So opening day, obviously, this is one of the biggest days in Milwaukee every year. It's a celebration. Last year, it didn't happen. The pandemic hit and opening day was canceled. And there was a lot of excitement about the team, about what was to come. And here we are coming back. And it's sort of like we are slowly moving back into this. It's opening day, but it's not exactly like the opening days of the past. There are obviously going to be some changes this year. Christina, you've been covering some of that. What is what is going to be different about the fan experience at, and I almost said it, I almost said at Miller Park this year. It is no longer Miller Park. It is officially American Family Field. How are things going to be different beyond just the name change? Well, I think that's obviously one of the biggest parts is the name change, but also I, I get a feeling they're trying to make it feel as normal as possible for fans, but of course it is going to be different. I think one of the big things just walking into the ballpark is there's not going to be tailgating. So we're used to seeing the parking lots filled, especially on opening day of people excited, but they can't do the tailgating portion this year. So I think that's going to be something a lot of people miss. But then, of course, as you get to the ballpark, the American Family Field has gone completely cashless. So don't bring your cash if you plan on going. And I think one of the biggest tips they have for people is to download the MLB Ballpark app. And I did it myself, ordered food when I was there. It's really easy and it helps with lines. So they're doing that to keep people separated inside the ballpark. Um, So wait times for food, it's also for retail. So if you do happen to have only cash, there are options for fans, but to make it easier, completely cashless. So I think that's another huge change fans will need to adjust to before heading in. So I think those are the two biggest along with the name change that 
they've been talking about and trying to get people prepared for before they actually head to the game. Tim, give us some context here, because you've been covering opening day for a long time, and I don't know that you ever anticipated this kind of opening day. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, th- this is all new. It's exciting because there was no opening day last year. Opening day is kind of a Milwaukee local holiday anyway, kind of a Wisconsin holiday for that matter. And uh, it was missed last year, no question about it. And the players feel that way too. I know sometimes we think uh, we're talking about it for the fans, but the players don't care. They do care. Opening day is a big deal. To get on the opening day roster is a big deal and to be a part of opening day and usually to interact with those fans and quite honestly with the media. You see, this is the chance, unless you went to spring training, to see familiar faces again and to collect a little bit of, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? How was your offseason? That sort of thing before the game. You shake a lot of hands. There's a lot of time in baseball standing around the dugout. And then the players all come out and they're introduced and everything else. That's an opening day, a unique aspect of opening day. That won't happen this year. That interaction is just not there. It's all virtual in terms of the interaction between players, manager, and the media. And by extension, kind of the fans then, too, because we are the conduit in spreading that story. So context-wise, this is definitely a different opening day. But you compare it to last year when there was no opening day, and everybody says they'd rather have this. One thing that is like other years is that the team is unveiling certain new features at the ballpark, new areas. And, Christine, I know you got a look at the new Bernie Brewer Chalet, which has got a new look uh, this year. Can you tell us a little bit about what's different there and what, what fans will see when they either see the games on television or they actually uh, arrive at the ballpark? Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about this because when I went to the ballpark, it's it's sort of hidden, so it's not something you would necessarily look for unless you knew it was different. But as far as Bernie Chalet goes, the slide is now white. It was yellow before, and they changed it to white to match the new name change and the new sort of overall feel to the park. So that's one of the biggest things you'll see that's different. And then his chalet is also uh, different. They made it more of an old twist of kind of that German feel, but they also made it modern. Um, we were told that Bernie really wanted a spa inside his of chalet, but right. But of course <laughs> they said it didn't fit in the budget this year, but he still loves it. So um, that's something to look for. It, it looks great and it does, you know, match with the, the theme. And then right next to Bernie's new chalet is actually the Miller Lite Landing, which is a new area that they've targeted to the younger fans. So they say, 21 to 30 year olds will enjoy this area once they're allowed more people to, to stand. It's a standing room area that you can, um, there's drinks and snacks and they hope eventually to have about 200 people to stand and mingle up there. But right now it's of course going to be a lot smaller and in pods, but that's a new area too that they wanted to reach out to the younger fans and get them more involved and give them a place to, you know, maybe they're not interested in the game, but the social aspect, and that's a, a new place for fans to hang out as well. Well, I know the chalet may seem like a small thing, too, to, to someone who's not from Milwaukee, but there's a real history of the Bernie Chalet. And in fact, if you've ever been on the Lakefront Brewery Tour, it's part of the tour, the old one from County Stadium. Tim, obviously, you've covered the Brewers a long time. You're familiar with that. But that that chalet is is actually housed at Lakefront Brewery. And I noticed that they're actually this talks about uh, speaks, I think, to the romance that the team has with the city. 
they literally now offer uh, reservations for you to like have a, a romantic dinner inside Bernie's chalet overlooking the fermentation tanks. Now, I'm not doing a commercial for Lakefront, but it just I think it speaks to sort of that that love affair that this city has with this team. Please don't give my husband any anniversary ideas. You already have <laughs> reservations. That's so Milwaukee, isn't it? The, and I had to laugh with Christina talking about the spa there. Going back to the days of the original chalet and the bowels and behind County Stadium, nobody even thought the concept of a spa. Ah, my goodness. So uh, we've all come a long way. I know that it it seems like all of a sudden it was, hey, opening days back on. But this didn't happen overnight. Someone didn't wake up one day and just say, hey, let's bring opening day back. They really had to jump through a lot of hoops with the city in order to make this happen. So what did that process look like for the team? And how, how does this compare to what other ballparks are doing this year? You know, I know they had to go through a, a long process with the city health department and the the it was several pages long on their plan and you know i think they decided 25 percent capacity um and people have to sit in pods so they've come up with a lot of ways with the health department to approve their plan and i think this is an ongoing conversation you know as more COVID 19 restrictions get lifted they'll revisit that plan and maybe adapt as time goes on so i know it took a while and a lot of hard work and thinking went into how to make it safe so that people can still go to the games from a sports standpoint you know the the and the city i guess i would just offer that marquette and the bucks went through this as well where they've just slowly ramped things up you're working with the city regulations you have the cashless system uh and everybody's kind of learning as they go i've been in the fiser forum to do that experience with the bucks and again you just look at the faces of the fans in those settings and they're, they're appreciative of being there it's not uh what we were sold as a bucks experience or marquette experience two years ago opening day at, at uh, american family field will not be what opening day was in 2019 it just will not be but when you compare it to the way everybody went through 2020 sports fans and uh, live event fans definitely feel seem to feel in the experiences i've been a part of uh, downtown and and expecting the same thing out of the american family field seem to feel this is wonderful. This is a step back toward what we remember. Well, you know, and I think about what you said very early on in this, uh, uh, Tim, was the importance to Milwaukee fans, Brewers fans in particular, of tailgating. Not just opening day, but throughout the year. It's 81 pre-planned parties a year in Milwaukee that aren't happening right now. And, and I know a lot of people, I'm seeing uh, comments online, their questions are, okay, this is great that we're getting fans back in. We're glad the Brewers are back. But when is tailgating going to return? What's the benchmark for that? And, I, and and the Brewers have suggested people who can't come to the games right now, can't tailgate at the games, sit outside by the car with your family and, and, and watch the game and tailgate at home or tailgate with a couple of neighbors or something outdoors. Do that now as sort of your fix until they can do this. But that's definitely something that fans are waiting for is, okay, we can, we can get 25% capacity and that's fine. When can we tailgate? It's obviously got to be a big one for fans, right, Tim? I would definitely think you're exactly right. Anybody who goes to games out there previously, Miller Park now, of course, with the new name, that's part of it. You see the smoke rising and you smell the grills and that, I mean, that's it. And you look around and the group outings that are largely a lot of uh, group tailgates too, corporate outings, that sort of thing right now, that's not something you can do with the single game ticket sales. So those things are coming back. And that is part of the Brewer fan experience. Anybody who has been around for any number of years knows that's the way that goes out at the ballpark. Uh, and of course, even that way back when, when they were redoing the ballpark and building it on that site, tailgating had a lot to do with it as opposed to going downtown. So there is a great history 
uh, of tailgating in conjunction with Brewers baseball games. I'm wondering how some of the local businesses are reacting to this because I know that, you know, shuttles to the game are a big part of it, especially people who maybe want to enjoy a, a few drinks before they go. Uh, Christina, I know that's something that you looked into. Yes, and there is good news. I know a lot of uh, the business owners in downtown Milwaukee and even by the ballpark are really excited because they are doing the shuttles and it's definitely different. Um, I know a lot of people when they would go would enjoy a drink on the shuttle while they were driving to the, the ballpark, but obviously things are different this year. So some things to know, they're only running them at about 50% capacity and they are making everybody sit every other aisle and you have to wear a mask while sitting on the bus, which means you can't bring a bus or a drink on the, on the shuttle this year. So that's a a big change, but I think just having that option, especially as we've been talking about, there's no tailgating, you know, it gives people something else to maybe try. And I know a lot of the bars and bar owners are happy to offer this to people just to get the business back because they've struggled too. And giving this option to fans, I think they're excited to have people back in their establishment and also safely bring people to the ballpark. So it's a little bit different, but, you know, still an option to get to the game safely and Maybe try if you've never done it before since there's no tailgating. I was just going to add on to what Christina said there, and I think what we're hearing with, with her comments and, and really what we're, the message you're kind of getting from the Brewers is we're starting small, if that's the right word here, with hopes that things will progress as we go through the season. Obviously, that's the city regulations, uh, but that's the way the Brewers are approaching things too in terms of uh, even media access and number of credentials that they're letting, uh, that they're issuing to allow people even on the, the ballpark uh, property or into the stadium. A lot of this is let's let's start here and we'll see where tailgating ends up coming on the on the spectrum. But let's start here in April. Obviously, you know, very first day of April. Let's start with this and hope we can continue to build it as the summer goes along. Well, I'm I'm thinking ten, you know, however many fans 25% capacity is, you think, well, maybe it's not going to be as loud. You'd be surprised the noise that a 25% capacity crowd can make. And just to hear natural crowd reactions again, rather than the piped in noise, which has been great that, you know, television coverage has has sort of done that to make games in the NFL and Major League Baseball feel a little more like something we remembered. But to get natural crowd uh, reactions really makes a big difference when you're watching any sporting event, doesn't it? I think it does. No question about it. It's it's kind of the, the soundtrack of the summer is is if you're listening to a game on the radio or you're watching a game on TV, kind of that dull sound in the background. You hear a little of this and a little of that. And then you do hear the crowd rise up. And, and I think that was one of the, uh, the most difficult things, uh, even like for the audio engineers and for the viewers and fans last year watching these games on television, for instance, uh, there's a difference between and, and, and early on, they would kind of pump up the music, pump up the uh, audio audio when the Brewers would score a run, okay? It's the, you know, it's the first run of the game, and they score a run, and you pump up the crowd noise. Well, there's a big difference between that or scoring a run in a 2-2 game in the eighth inning or scoring a run when you're losing 9-2 in the ninth inning. The, the, the nuance is quite different, and those are natural crowd reactions that we became accustomed to over all those years. It's hard to do that artificially and hard to do it 
uh, representatively when you're doing it artificially. Well, and in baseball, there's just the little things like when a pitcher throws over the, for the third time to first base, that low moan of booze that rains down from a home crowd. So, I mean, things like that are hard, I'm sure. Now it will be more natural. I guess we're all looking forward to that. I wanted to bring up one thing before we move on to our next segment, but Christina, having you on, um, I just think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that not only obviously do you cover the news and you covered some of this Brewer stuff along the way, but you have a history and, and a background and as a sports fan and at Purdue University actually worked in the athletic communications department. So sports for you is a big thing. It is. I've always loved sports. I grew up playing sports. Uh, my whole family is also into sports. So I think that's where I got the interest from. And then in college, you know, working at a Big Ten school or going to a Big Ten school, I decided to work in the communications department there, which made it. I, I just love the atmosphere as Tim was talking. It just makes me miss thinking about, you know, going to games and the competitiveness. So I've always been a huge fan of sports. I'll say Chicago sports, but I might get some. some I heat wasn't going to make you bring that up. I wasn't going to out you. I know. <laughs> I'm. I'm sorry, but you know, moving to Milwaukee, I have become. It's. It's in my heart now to be a, a Milwaukee sports fan too. So unless they're playing a Chicago team, I cheer for the Milwaukee teams. <laughs> That's okay. For years, I've been a pariah here because I've fully, openly admitted that I grew up a St. Louis Cardinals fan and remain one. So I've just made myself the most hated person on this podcast and and gave you some backup. Thanks there. for taking one for the team. There, there you go. <laughs> All right, and that's a good time for us to go off the record. The part of the podcast where we get a little more personal, we have a little fun by answering a question we have not prepared for, but it has been prepared by our amazing executive producer, Sarah Smith, who joins us once again. Hi, Sarah. Hello, friends. Christina, Tim, I'm super excited that you guys are here. Before I get to my question, I do want to say that I am virtually surrounded by four finalists in the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association Awards for Excellence in their respective categories. So best sportscast, best feature, best investigative. Um, also, open record, a finalist for best original digital Woo! content. I like so, hearing that. I know. So congratulations to all of you. But now, that's not <laughs> that's not my question. <laughs> Gotta get the um, shameless plug in. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, I'm so proud of us. Um, okay, so here's the question. It's pretty simple. We're approaching Easter. Peeps, love them or hate them? Marshmallow peeps? Uh, yeah, marshmallow peeps. Are there other yeah, kinds? Are there other I don't kinds know. Well, like peeps? like our peeps. Like we're here with our peeps. I mean, that's cool. Like our friends. <laughs> what our, are our you? Well, no, 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 no. No, I, I know. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm avoiding the question. Uh, that's totally radical, my peeps. <laughs> I'm, I'm avoiding the question, but I'm going to let uh, Tim and Christina start on this one. I am not one given to absolutes usually in life. I mean, to me, there's, there's somewhere in between yes and no. But when it comes to peeps, that's a hard no. I am totally with Tim on this one. I, I don't know. I just, I've never been a fan. I think my favorite Easter candy would be the Cadbury, Cadbury, however you like to pronounce it, eggs with the cream in the side or the Reese's eggs i just the peeps i don't know and for some reason the colors of them just freak me out i'm, I'm with you guys both I, I i don't like like marshmallows over a fire in a s'more fine but marshmallows covered with the sprinkly stuff and the whatever in co no but but my son who's 13 i think he probably wouldn't mind eating them but more importantly what he would like to do is blow them up in the microwave and things like that like they're more <laughs> of an experiment than a food 
So I think the fun you can have with them in that way, but no, otherwise, no, I, I'm with Tim. It's a hard no on the peeps. I don't like them on their own, but there is an ice cream shop like down the street from where I live that around this time has a Sunday that involves peeps that I may or may not have already enjoyed a few times this month. And part of that <laughs> may be being pregnant, but part of that may just be because I have a sweet tooth. So I do like that, but I don't I, I wouldn't sit there and like eat a packet of them on their own. Um, we'll see what my two-year-old thinks about them this year because they will be in her Easter basket, and I have a feeling she'll be a fan. Well, no, no, wait, I have a question. Like, why? Because if you're not a fan of them, so why do they, is it just they have to be there? It's just a staple? No, I mean, it's introducing her to it. She's she's had her sugar, like, choices. three times in her life. <laughs> so it's, like, part of, like, I feel like part of my right as a parent is to get to... Uh, enjoy their reaction to things. So I want to see, I want to see how she reacts to the peeps. You're going to zero to sixty pretty hard on this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Nothing to peeps. If I'm smart, I'll plan it where she gets the peeps, and then I have to step out to run an errand, and then my husband is home with her. Uh, we'll see if that co- plan comes to fruition. I'll say that um, I so I don't like them fresh. I usually cut the plastic and let them sit on my counter for about a week. I eat them stale, which is so weird, but it just, they taste better. And Stay, I don't like, eat not, like a hundred of them. You're not like saying frozen, like like, we, like I'd, I'd freeze Snickers or something. You're saying just stale. Yeah, I just want hmm. them to sit on the counter open. So do they harden? Yeah, they get real chewy and it's not like, I don't like just popping marshmallows, but for some, it's just like almost like the inside of a Charleston chew. It's got that like... I don't know. It's I don't know. It, they're good that way, but they're not my first choice. I would go with Christina. I, the Cadbury eggs, they're weird on the inside, but I love them. And Reese's peanut butter cups will forever be the best. But anyway, so I like them stale. But those candy coated, like what are the little candy coated like malt ball eggs, eggs or whatever? Yeah, the rot. Yeah, that would be for me kind of the Easter staple. <laughs> um, that that with like one or two stray pieces of the the Easter grass. That gets because they've been scattered in the basket, and then you can't help but just you know, you try to pick them out, but just when you get the pine needles from the Christmas tree out of your house, in comes the Easter grass. They'll stick around. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm mowing down Easter grass while Sarah's here eating stale peeps. Ah, uh, the stale. Gotta peeps. do what you gotta do. Also, the first time All I've right. ever heard someone put the word stale and good together in a sentence me too so that's different i don't don't knock them till you try them so all you peep haters which i know there are a lot it is a strong club but just just let them go stale for like a week i'm not kidding don't touch them just cut the plastic on them let them sit here's the beauty of it this is synergy if amanda's daughter does not like the peeps that she's being introduced to give it some time you can have the stale ones (laughs) there you go perfect Thanks, Tim and Christina, for joining us here on Open Record. And as always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and of course, executive producer Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, enjoy opening day. I'm Brian Polson or Amanda St. Hilaire. We'll be back again next week.